And I remember our commander came in and they were handing out MREs and he said, did you get your MRE, Sergeant? And I said, no, sir, I didn't eat those. He goes, oh, thank God. He goes, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, if the commander's not eating it, I'm not eating it either. (laughs) Grease and gander. Word discipline and grit have some hidden meanings and interesting perspectives for others. For me, when I think about discipline, it's a commitment, a drive, determination. I liken it much to when I would be training for swimming, doing laps up and down before school for hours in the morning, sometimes clocking up a couple of kilometres here and there and thinking not too much of it compared to getting out of the pool in the middle of a Tasmanian winter. (laughs) The pool was very inviting, even if I didn't always appreciate the hard work involved. Our guest today is no stranger to the military and the determination that I'm talking about. Extending from that, she has an infectious personality and I really enjoyed getting to know a few different sides to Kat, aside from the military aspect. I'm Linda Bonnie, and this is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Kat Cushado, welcome to the community. I'm so glad you have joined us. It's quite exciting to get to chat to you one-to-one like this after hearing many conversations on the outskirts and that sort of thing. Oh, I'm super happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, it's great. So, goodness, where do we start? A big part of your life has been the military and I wonder, can you describe to me, because I'm sure my perception is quite warped, what the meals are like in that military lifestyle because I think Forrest Gump type big tables with long lines of people and (laughs) you know cocoa powder and um, all those sort of yes good and wonderful what was it like for you (laughs) well it's really it really wasn't that bad honestly you know first of all you go to boot camp and what I've been told is that the air force has some of the best food at boot camp and so it's kind of you want an omelet you can have whatever you want they'll make it for you and I think they they kind of dupe you into thinking it's like that at all bases because it's not (laughs) (laughs) they have what they call wait for it it's called SOS have you heard of this no please tell me okay um all right, I'm going to curse on on this. So it, it's the it's what it's part of SOS. It's called <laughs> shit on a shingle. Is what uh, right. <laughs> I swear to you, that's what it's called. And I was like, no, I'm not eating that. Okay. Um. So and the other, I mean, most most of the time the food was pretty good, but when you get out in the field, because you know the military does these simulated exercises, and 
you would eat what are called MREs, which are military, I can't remember what they are because I never ate one. <laughs> and they're reconstituted food. And it's like yeah. 3,000 calories in <gasps> one of these. If you have to go 12, 14 hours in between meals, it's supposed mm-hmm. to rejuvenate you and give you the calories you need. Supposed to. And supposed to, right. <laughs> and um, I just never ate one. I was like, you know what? I'm not interested in eating one. And I remember I was stationed in Osan Air Base in Korea, and we were coursing one of these simulated exercises. And I would always go to the commissary to buy the stuff that I wanted for this exercise. And Mm. I remember our commander came in and they were handing out MREs. And he said, did you get your MRE, Sergeant? And I said, no, sir, I don't eat those. He goes, oh, thank God. He goes, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, if the commander's not eating it, I'm not eating it either. (laughs) Grease and gander. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, so that's the picture I guess I have in my mind of these square segregated little packages and oh, all the delightful cardboard taste that might go alongside that. <laughs> yeah, I can't verify oh. the taste, but at least make the packaging attractive. It comes in these green, really dark green packages with big black blocky letters. That's oh. not attractive to me. Uh. At, least, at least make me think that maybe I kind of sort of maybe would like it. The packaging itself, it's like, yeah, no, I'm not eating that. <laughs> not even close. No, it, it's meant to be camouflaged by the sounds of it. In like, Yeah, but yeah, it's no. Uh, mm. Even today, I'm like, nope, I'm not eating it. <laughs> Do you think Aside from the funniness of the whole situation, do you think it was still quite a coming together, I suppose, in that environment where you would sit down and enjoy food together and those sort of moments? What do you remember about those experiences? I think there are two moments, actually. One is is when I went to boot camp because, you know, you're uh, in a flight of other mm. women and you hang together, you eat together mm-hmm. and you march together, you sleep, sleep together. Yeah. I mean, literally you sleep together. <laughs> You're in the same, you know, and you bond as a team doing all of that. The second one is when I was again, overseas in Osan and I had to be there for a whole year without my husband. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it was Valentine's Day is what it was. And our anniversary is February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And you could go to what's called the um, NCO Club and they would have steak and lobster. You could have a glass of wine. It was all free. And, and it was very, they tried very, very hard. You know, that's when you kind of said, you know, and all this crap that you're in at the time, that there was this nice little, they had the table with the tablecloth, or you were just at like a card table with, you know. <laughs> I imagine the, the chicken. Yeah. The chicken, yeah. It was a nice white tablecloth, you know, yep. had a real flower, flower in the vase. Oh, a real know. flower. A real flower, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, you ordered your food and stuff, and it was nice. But again, it, it was the contrast of where you were 
um, versus, you know, in that environment, you could imagine yourself being back in the States, Mm -hmm. you know, eating something. Was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect, but it was something. So those are two instances that, that really stand out to me. And how did you find it being abroad for so long? Because I liken it to hearing my dad talk about his trip down to Antarctica. So he was down there for almost 18 months, probably quite similar situations, living, breathing, working in very close proximity to the same people all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you find that knowing that there would be moments where you would definitely miss home and your family. How did you adjust to that and what did you see around you with different people doing that? Because I know you lived it for quite some time as well. So, Oh, I did. You know, um, what a lot of people don't know is that I was born into the military. So my dad mm-hmm. was already in the Air Force when I was born. Yep. And so I was used to going overseas, eating different foods, seeing different people, different smells, etc. But again, every time you go to a new place, it's different. So you have to get used to it. And going to Korea, I had to kind of put myself in a bubble because it's a protective type of thing that you do for yourself in order to survive. It doesn't mean I didn't interact with people, but I went to work. Um, I also taught fitness classes and then I would go downtown and shop till I dropped Mm -hmm. basically. Mm. And you kept with, you know, not a certain crowd, but you kind of kept to yourself because you knew that if you get caught doing something in a, you know what it's like in another country, you have to know the rules and it's just better to be safe on base than it is anywhere else. <laughs> but I can tell you that all of the countries that I got a chance to go to, they love the idea that A, you tried to speak their mm-hmm. language, even though you muffed it up a million <laughs> times in every way possible, yeah. <laughs> that at least you tried. Yep. And they loved it when you ate their food. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in Korea, I would go, I would go shopping, shopping, shopping. I would come back and right outside of the gate was this one little place that I used to go to all the time because it was convenient. I love the food. And the first time you go there, you know, you get, you know, your portion, but mm-hmm. every time you go back, the portion would get bigger and mm-hmm. bigger and bigger <laughs> because they appreciate the, the repeat business. And so at one point I said, oh, I I don't think I can eat all this. She goes, no, no, no. You have to eat all of this. You deserve this. You have to eat this. And I'm like, oh my God. But it was so good. It was so good. So you do what everybody else does. You know, you try to put yourself in the environment. My dad would make us go off base and eat. Mm -hmm. And he would say, look, if you're off base and you get stuck, you know exactly where to go to eat. And so I, I have a very wide palette of food that I like because of that. Mm. But there, on the other end of that, there were a lot of people that would go overseas and they stayed the, their entire time on base. They never went off base. Yeah. And I thought, wow, they're missing out. The shopping, <laughs> I, did I say the shopping was phenomenal? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't say it again. Oh, no. <laughs> it's It's interesting, isn't it? Because what I think about and hear when you're talking as well is the fact that within that military environment, a lot of the decisions around food are probably made for you. You don't need to try and decide what you're going to eat for dinner that night or look at a menu and that sort of thing. 
as much perhaps as your everyday life. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's very much true. You know, you have choices. I could go to the commissary um, and, and you know, buy stuff that I could cook because I was in a brand new dorm at the time. And, or I could go to the mess hall and eat there, or mm. I could go off base and eat if that's what I wanted to do. So there were choices, so, you know, it was limited. It wasn't like in the United States where you can just, you know, it's fast food alley wherever you go, Yeah, but you know, you weren't just relegated to eating at the mess hall. Yeah. And I can relate in a different sort of way after our recent trip to Europe because food was definitely tricky with three boys, <laughs> sometimes sitting down in front of a menu that was in an entirely different language, which neither of us could understand or spoke, so it might be in Polish or German. Yeah. So by the time we needed to eat because the boys were all of a sudden starving out of nowhere, <laughs> we'd have to find <laughs> some. <somewhere. hungry. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, but yeah. then and, you know how kids are. You know, you mm -hmm. get something. You know, you, you know. I think French fries are pretty universal wherever you go. They're yep. probably called something different, but if they look anything different than what mm -hmm. they're used to, they kind of just look at it. Yep. You're like, it's a French fry. They're like, no, that's not the French fries that I like. Yeah. They don't look yep. like that. Same with, with German sausages. They were very different to what they used very to over different. here. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. It was it was a real experience in thinking, okay, now we need to find somewhere to eat, sit down, look at a menu that's very foreign to us, try and decide something, figure it out. <laughs> Order the food, wait for the food to be cooked. By that stage, the kids might be past hungry or not even hungry or fighting like cats and dogs. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Then the food might arrive and it's not what they were expecting or anything. And it's oh. Yeah, it doesn't look anything familiar uh -uh, uh -uh. to them. And they're like, nope, I'm hungry, but nope. And you're like, oh, come on, please. Oh, yes. <laughs> we don't want the next six hours to be like this. <laughs> Yeah, it was just really interesting and not something I'd thought of before we left, really. I've sort of thought of it a little bit, but having to look at that menu and decide every day and not really know what was coming or what we were thinking might be around the corner was a bit of a challenge at times. And like I said, just not what I was predicting at all. So, Well, I think when you're you know, when you travel, it's not like when you're home at home, you know, all right. the places that you can go and you just have to decide what it is. When you're in another country that you're unfamiliar with, you don't know what's around the corner uh -uh. or you don't know where the, the restaurants are. You have to figure it out. Yep. And so that's just a whole nother, that's like predicting when you're going to be hungry so you can find the restaurant an hour prior to when you're yeah. going to be hungry so that you can go sure. and sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, yeah, just, and even things like water. So we're very, very spoiled in Tasmania. We have some of the finest, freshest most beautiful tasting water in the world, I believe. Wow, <laughs> you're lucky. a lot lucky. of it comes fresh from the mountain, so it runs down the mountain and all sorts of opportunities for delicious water. And all of us, that was one of the top things on the list that we missed was, yep, 
Tazi water. <laughs> yeah, it's it's surprising because some countries, you know, I like ice in my water. I just do. But uh-huh. some countries will serve it ambient or room temperature with no ice. Mm-hmm. You have to ask for ice in other countries because sometimes in some places it costs you extra for ice. <laughs> in some countries. So, and you don't think about yeah. it. <laughs> in some countries you get more ice than water and you need to leave it That's there for true. half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> don't let it melt. <laughs> Uh, so fast forward just a little bit because I want to just circle back to those moments, I guess, in your career where you didn't have to think too much about food and cooking and those sort of there was the choice was there, like you said. But what about when you did exit that environment? How did that hit you? I don't think it really changed that much. I do have to say that I was never a cook. Okay. I was never, I was thought of cooking as a chore. It was one of those things Mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, what do I, cause I was a single parent and it's like, okay, I got to keep the boy healthy. Oh, I get it. It's like, oh, what do I eat? You know, am I in this kitchen again? (laughs) Like I would cook food, you know, like Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And I've been smelling it and tasting it all day that when it came time to eat, I didn't want it anymore. Mm. And I met my husband while I was in the military because he was military too. And he was lovely and he's still lovely. And the one thing that I didn't think about was the fact that he could cook. Now, most guys, when they think, you know, what do you think when a guy says he can cook? He cooks one dish really well. It's usually mm-hmm. spaghetti or meatloaf or something. Yep. Well, my husband comes from a family where they catered. So he wow. learned the, the ins and outs of cooking very early as a child. And so when he said, you know, oh, I can cook. I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, <laughs> you know that one dish. Yeah. But then I found out he's really good at other stuff. And I was wow. like, wow. Perfect and, for your uh, wide taste Right? <laughs> I was like, that's just like a bonus. You know, that's like getting an extra scoop of ice cream when you didn't ask for it. So to this day, he, he cooks today. He's just better at it and he loves to do it. Yeah. Amazing. That's so good. Yeah. And I hope that it's something I can also pass down to my boys as well. They love to help in the kitchen and they've been peeling vegetables since two, three. Oh my goodness. That's (laughs) good. It's just such a more enjoyable experience if you have company in the kitchen instead of, like you said, making it feel like a chore or something that just you have to do no matter how yeah, I just don't like it no. I just don't I don't want to do it you know mm. I, the few times that I've cooked and my husband you know he'll come in and he makes these excuses to come into the kitchen uh-huh. and he'll say oh do you want me to show you and I'm like nope he goes do you want me to help you I go nope he goes do you need any help? I go, nope. And he goes, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to get out of the kitchen while I did this. Because <laughs> it's more nerve wracking when he's there. Mm, the pressure, the pressure. <laughs> the pressure, oh. I know. <laughs> uh, so wonderful. And whereabouts are you in the world? Because I know we've traveled quite a bit within these conversations and stories. Which part of the States are you in at the moment? So I'm on the East Coast. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. 
Right, my geography is not great as far as America goes. So, <laughs> well, just think toward you know where Florida is. Yep. Okay, okay. so we're think around Florida. Around we're not that close, but it's in the same. It's it's close enough. <laughs> and do you feel like you've sort of landed there now? Well, you know, being military, yeah, you never feel like you're in that place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're here for a while and you're like, huh, I think it might be time to go. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's just that feeling, you know, you itchy just, face. Itchy yes. Face. <laughs> Where else are we going? So we haven't really said this, this is, you know, even though we've been here 13 years, we haven't said this is it, but maybe it is. I mean, with the way you know, temperature and climate and housing prices and renting, mm. you know, it might just, this just might be it for us. And that would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you've opened to possibilities and that sort of thing. But like you said, that military shift will probably never fully escape either of you. Either. <laughs> I don't think it it ever does. You know, it's nothing mm. for, for a, a military veteran or military to just pack their stuff and go. Yeah. And so, you know, you always hear people say, oh, I hate it here. I don't like the, you know, I don't like whatever. And they're complaining, complaining. And then you say, well, why don't you just move? Oh, I can't move. Uh, I have friends here. <laughs> I have family here. And you're like, think, Stop complaining. But, you know, a military person, oh, it's nothing for them. I remember we lived in Massachusetts and my husband had gotten a job offer in Charlotte and it was mid-October when he was doing the interview. And they said, can you be here by 1 November? And my husband said, we can't do this. And I said, we're military. We can do this. And mm-hmm. so he packed up what he thought he needed. He traveled here. I got the house all packed up. We put the house on the market. And I remember the, the moving guy came in and he looked around and he goes, you're military, aren't you? And I said, how do you know? And he goes, everything's packed up. Everything's labeled. All we have to do is take the boxes out. And I'm like, that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. Right. He goes, you'd be surprised. (laughs) He said, we've actually helped people pack because they hadn't done it yet. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got to get out of here. I got to get stuff done. So But I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) And do you think that approach has essentially served you quite well in a lot of your other pursuits at the moment as far as podcasting and your current opportunities that are arising and all sorts of things? It's, again, one of those things that just doesn't escape you. Well, I think that what you have to do is have an open mind. Mm. You know, I'm at an age now where I think, why not? Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you want to try this? Sure, let's try this. You know, why not? (laughs) And, you know, because, you know, I was, I told someone this quite a while ago and I said, I have more time behind me than I do in front of me. So what am I going to do with the time that I have left? You know, Mm. I, I want to leave my mark here. Whatever that is, I want, I want someone to say, wow, she went out and she just did it. Whatever she wanted to do, she went out and she did it. Does that mean I'll be successful at it, at everything? No. But as one of our friends say, messy's beautiful. 
Yeah. You know, so do it messy and, and see what happens. You might fall in love with it. And if you don't, then nobody really remembers your mess. (laughs) (laughs) And you can just slip out the side door Mm -hmm. carefully. Mm -hmm. Yep. They've got their own mess to sort out, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> Piles of dishes in the kitchen, all those things. <laughs> Do you remember much about moving around as a child? Do you think it was just, again, something that just happened? You just all pitched in and had it done? I don't remember the moving part, like the actual boxing part of it. I don't remember mm. that part because it didn't concern me. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that's just how people live. That's what you did. Yeah. You know, I thought you were someplace <laughs> for a little while and then you you packed up and you moved. And then as I got older, I realized that there were people who didn't do that. And I remember, mm-hmm. I can't remember what age I was. And this woman came up to me and she was like, oh, you poor thing. You're moving all the time. And I'm like, what are you talking about, lady? You know, I said, I've been to countries and seen things that your kids only see on TV, only read in books. I've seen mm-hmm. it in person. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what school I went to for fifth grade. Yep. I couldn't tell you anybody, I, except for maybe one person that I, I remember going to school with. My husband, on the other hand, can introduce me and know this person's name to the kid he went to third grade with. Mm. I think he actually did that too when we were there. I went to third grade with this guy. I'm like, how do you remember him? What? I don't understand. (laughs) I don't remember where I was in third grade and you're introducing me to some guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there's advantages and disadvantages. But, I mean, you have to think of it as, as opportunities and going someplace that you've seen on the map in school, like Germany, Korea, England, going to France, going across the border to Luxembourg when we weren't supposed to without passports, Ah. according to my father. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was just awesome seeing those certain countries that I got to visit. I got to go to Spain. I got to go to Greece. All of these countries you get to go and see. Mm. And, you know, I got to go to Turkey. And Mm. who else does that except people who are related in the military? I mean, you might go for a vacation. Yeah. But. That's different again. It's different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. So where do you think? some of your fondest memories are in the world and oh, it might be quite hard to <laughs> to sum it up in a way but yeah just talking about some of those different countries tell me about what you remember specifically uh, about those times like is it the food or the yeah the, just the experience and Again, I don't want to open up a huge can of worms. So, <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely not. Mm. I think one of the biggest memories I had as a child is when my dad was stationed at Lakenheath and mm-hmm. in England, and mm. we got to go to London. And back then you got to tour all of the castles. You got to see the Queen Jewels. Yeah. You got to do all of that. And going to the London Zoo and seeing, you know, that was a big deal going to London. 
And as a child, that was a big deal. The other one, not as a child, but I was a teenager. My dad was stationed in Germany in 1972, which was where the 72 Munich Olympics were. And yeah, and I, I remember, and the only reason that's so vivid to me is because growing up on bases, you rarely feel fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like someone's mm-hmm. going to get you because you've got guards with guns on one end of the base, guards with guns on the other <laughs> end of the base. You know, what's sort of be scared of? Mm. But I, I remember that only because it was the first time I was actually afraid. Yeah, wow. In 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 the whole 14, 15 years that I'd been alive was the first time I felt afraid. Mm. And it was just very unsettling. Now, you know, we're sitting kids down, they're going into, you know, oh, maybe they need a therapist, you know, we're, yeah. we're talking about it. <laughs> and we never talked about it. It was something I had to deal with on my own. It's my parents huge. never asked me if I was, you know, are you afraid? Are you scared? It's like, yeah, um, okay, that's what it is and keep it moving. But it was, it, it, I won't say it traumatized me, but it, really opened my eyes to some of the things that were happening in the world. And I didn't understand what had happened because we have all of these bases in Germany. I'm like, they could have asked any, any base. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought, they, why did they just ask us? We would have gone mm-hmm. and helped out. Mm-hmm. But which shows you how my 14, 50-year-old mind was working at the time. But also as being in the military, you know, I, I have such fond memories of just different places the you know my very first assignment in the military was in the Azores Portugal and I remember crying to my dad saying I can't find it and this was back Mm. when you know back in the day when you had globes now you've got I don't know google maps yeah but uh, he said oh you see those three dots right there he goes you're on the big dot and I was like no I don't (laughs) want to go (laughs) but in hindsight it was probably the best first base I could have ever gone to. You walk outside of the dorm and you're surrounded by the ocean. It was just gorgeous. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was beautiful. That's such a unique experience though, I think, to not really feel that fear or scared, (laughs) if you like, until mid-teens. Well, I again I think it's just, you know, having that it's like an adventure. You know, it's like, wow, there's a little bit of fear there, just like you do anything new. There's mm. fear, but there's also excitement. Oh, wow. What is this going to be like? What kind of, mm. what kind of school, what kind of friends, what's it going to look like? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And there's, there's a camaraderie with, with other military kids. When you go overseas, it's, it's even more kind of insulated and military kids look after other military kids. And so you help each other, whether you hang with that group or not, they know you're from the base and they help you. You know, like if you get lost downtown, we're like, are you a military brat? They're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, come on. I know the way back. <laughs> you know, well, follow me. I'll show you how to get there. So it was, it wasn't, you know, like you're going to be the new kid on the block because mm. there are a lot of new kids on the block. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're part of the military and you're just enfolded into that world because that's that's part of who you are and where you're at at that time. Yeah, exactly. And I know from hearing this story that you've shared 
as well. You had quite a desire to essentially be in the Olympics or at least in the running for, excuse the pun, but the running for the Olympics as well. Do you think part of that stemmed from that experience in Germany? Well, it's actually it started before then. I remember watching this guy do the long jump and I just thought, I want to do that. And Mm -hmm. I just said, I want to do that. And I started out doing it and then I loved it. I was good at it. And so for a long, long time, that was my goal of going to the Olympics. And I even got to train with the German Olympic team. Okay, not the first squad and not the second squad. It might have been the third or the fourth. (laughs) You know, the people that just watch the others run, but they have to be there. Kind of like being on the bench, but you're still part of the team. (laughs) Small detail, small detail. (laughs) But in my high school in Germany, I was running on the boys team. I was practicing Mm -hmm. with the boys. Yeah. And beating some of them, which it's, you know. Doesn't always go down well. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so I had an opportunity to practice with the the Olympic team. Um, And I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember. But it was, you know, with the girl squad and it it was an experience. It was Mm. a huge experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for myself, I remember being in a paper playing competition, actually, in a science club when I was about eight. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Really? my paper plane went through the room and into the next room, basically. It was quite the flyer. And as we left the building to go home and hop in the car, one of the favourite memories that's been passed down as a bit of a family story is this boy who just huffed and crossed his arms and said to his mum, I was beaten by a girl and was really (laughs) (laughs) not happy at all. Definitely not happy. I never thought about it at that time. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I I didn't, I was thinking I didn't come in last. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Not that I beat two or three boys, but I didn't come in last. Uh-huh. So um, I yeah. never thought of it that from that angle. <laughs> oh, those poor guys. I feel bad for them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how our little brains could work. But I also, I also had the opportunity to train at the Australian facility for Olympians when I was swimming as well. So again, quite the experience to sit down with them. And I think I got a couple of signatures and remember even perhaps sitting down to a meal with Olympians essentially surrounding us and yeah, just blown away. It really does blow you away, doesn't it? That it does. You know, when you, Mm. you see these Olympians or even now I watch sports and and I watch track and field and I get goosebumps watching Yeah, because I remember (laughs) that feeling, you know, that, Mm. you know, I sit up in bed and I'm like, you know, my husband goes, you never act that way with baseball or basketball (laughs) (laughs) or cooking in the kitchen (laughs) or cooking in the kitchen. Right. Like never. No. So tell me, does your husband also cook up a mean Sunday roast or Thanksgiving or those sort of memories? What traditions are you creating for your own family in that space? 
I think for us, you know, my mother, as a child, I remember my mother did the whole traditional, the pie. I mean, she used to bake up a storm. There were cakes and cookies and Uh and little tarts. And (laughs) we had a ham and a turkey and dressing. And uh, like, there was so much food. You're like, we're going to be eating turkey and dressing for two weeks straight. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was just, that's what you had. And Mm -hmm. with my husband, we realized that it's good to have tradition, but it doesn't have to be traditional. Yes. So for maybe Thanksgiving dinner, you know, we've had prime rib. Yep. You know, we've had something different and it's okay. Mm. And so I always look forward, you know, I'm like, ooh, what are we having you know, for Thanksgiving dinner to this year, you know, because surprise. Yeah. It's always been, (laughs) you know, um, something different. And I was like, well, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. I'm like, okay, I'm in, you know, and I'm one of those people that, you know, I told you I have a wide palate, but you know, my mom is Welsh. So my mother would make all of this stuff and I was her Guinea pig and she would call me in and I'd, you know, and I'd say, what mom? She goes, open your mouth. I go, what is that? She goes, just shut up and open your mouth. And I would eat it. And I was like, oh, that's good. Uh, so I, you know, my gosh, husband knows gosh. what I like. <laughs> my brothers were like, yeah, no, I'm not eating that. I'm like, well, whatever. But, um, you know, my husband knows my palate. He knows that I'm open to trying whatever. And he knows that I know that Whatever he cooks, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some comfort in that, I think, (laughs) as well. I Mm. think so. You know, after 26 years of marriage, I always tell people that I think my husband could go to a brand new restaurant, order, you know, a to-go order, and yeah. he he would know exactly mm-hmm. what I like. He'd say, mm. I, th- I, "I think you'll," like, and he would be right on. He would be spot on about it. Yeah. So I have no qualms about what he cooks. Yeah. Yep. So fun. So magnificent. And I've really enjoyed this conversation, as I knew I would. And <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about food, man. How could it not be? <laughs> we haven't even gotten to desserts yet. That's a whole no. other conversation. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you betcha. So, yeah, definitely look forward to pulling oh, so many great memories, not just in the food side of things, but just these conversations unveil so many different uh, stories and memories for me. And I hope they do the same for you. You know, they do. You know, I think, mm. you know, I'll be watching something on TV or hear something and a memory will pop in in my head. And I was like, oh. I forgot all about that, you know, and it kind of makes you smile a little bit, you know, because it, it's that, you know, food is comfort. My mother used to cook because that's how she showed love. And just a quick story. When my husband cooked his very first meal, we were dating and I think it was chicken cacciatore, I believe it was. And he put it in front of me and I go, that's beautiful. And I looked up and he goes, what? And I go, what's for dessert? And the only reason I asked that is because my mother six days a week, she would cook and she'd have a sweet after we'd have some kind of dessert. Wow. (laughs) And so I, I was just an expectation. I was like, what's for dessert? He goes, there is no dessert. And I was like, why not? (laughs) How dare you? Doesn't everyone do dessert? (laughs) 
<laughs> no wonder you had to do so much running just to. I know, right? <laughs> just to, exactly. Huge sweet tooth. Oh, that's a beautiful story and a wonderful point to end on. So thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to, yeah, connecting more and pulling this all together. So, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Linda. This was fun. What a wonderful conversation. And all Forrest Gump jokes aside, I took more from this conversation than I actually anticipated or even realized after the fact as well. The laugh of Cat alone is absolutely infectious. Mm. <laughs> Another laugh which I definitely grew to love is that of Chelsea. Let's have a little listen here and see what's in store for her episode. Being away from your family working is hard, but he stuck it out. You know, everything that he was able to provide for us, he did it. He made it work and he never, sure, did he enjoy it all the time? Probably not. But did he ever really complain or did we ever see him really complain about it? No. And so that, you know, just doing what you have to do to get it done is kind of what's been passed along. And, and same with my mom. She's, I guess, been kind of lucky in the workforce. She's found a job teaching and then what she does now and she loves and is very passionate about both and I don't know that very many people get that opportunity once let alone twice in their life and so you know her just seeing her being able to take a leap of faith and dive in and and not look back and health wise too you know both my mom and my dad are both cancer survivors so seeing them fight through that and push through that just makes you feel like you can do it too to hear more about current projects and the book, head over to lindabonnie.com. I welcome you to the community. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for joining us.